just a blessing to be here um, to share um, really just some things that God has been speaking to me, I'd say, over the last six months. Um, before I get started, though, I, I just had a couple things I wanted to share just prophetically. Um, Wesley, good job with the announcements. But in, in this, so this morning in, in the prayer room, he was actually speaking over me, and I, I was like, I'm actually seeing something over you. Um, just wasn't the right time or place. But I just, I, uh, I just uh, sensed in you almost like a holy uh, frustration that you've been seeing things that just don't line up with what you know the Word of God says, and there's this disconnect. Like, why am I seeing this, and this is what the Word says? And I just, I just saw the Lord as um, he called you his miracle man. And so I just release that over you, that the things that you see that don't line up with the word of God, that you're going to, um, the courage is going to rise up in you to call it out. And when you call it out, it's going to line up with the word of God. And that frustration is going to turn into joy. So I just release that over you. <laughs> Hope that makes sense. <laughs> um, and just this week I was praying. Um, last week, uh, Pastor Jim was preaching and he was sharing about metal in the body dissolving. I actually have metal in my body. I'm believing for that to dissolve as well. <laughs> so there's that. But um, I, 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 I heard the name Tony, and if, if there's a name Tony, whether it's online or if you're in here, and you have metal in your body and you can hear this, like you were in some sort of a, a motor, motorcycle accident or something, right now I want you to put your hand where that metal is. I do this because that's where my metal is, I guess. Um, put, put your hand. Is there a Tony in here that you have metal in your body? If not, I'm still going to release it because we do have the online audience that I, I just release right now the healing anointing. Right now, um, Tony, just put your hand where that metal is, and it's going to dissolve in the name of Jesus. And I just see him bringing restoration to, to your family, like those who are around you. It's not just restoration of the metal in your body turning back into bone, um, but restoration in your life. So I just release that in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> So yeah, this is just a privilege, and I, I just want to thank um, our senior leaders, Jim and Mary, for giving me this opportunity. Like, like Wesley said, they are out of town. They send their love, uh, but they will be back. Um, my name's Jen. Uh, just to introduce myself uh, um, a little bit, and I want to read a scripture just to kind of start off. It's Isaiah 61.4, and this message today I feel like is more of a prophetic declaration than it is a teaching, so I want to kind of put that out there for us. And it says in Isaiah 61, 4, it says, then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Yeah, let that resonate in you. <laughs> oh, wow, that's such a powerful scripture. Um, so, my husband and I, we, we lead the RC groups. We used to lead an RC group. We're currently praying into, you know, what, what's next for us there. Um, but we came here to Zion about six years ago. And uh, when we came to Zion, um, we had come from a place where we had been hurt very badly. Um, I think a lot of people can probably relate with that. And I, I don't like to say that we were church hurt. I like to say, and I prefer to say that we were hurt by people in the church because the church is you know, it's the bride of Christ and she's beautiful and, you know, and has her flaws, but people. So we were really, really hurt by people in the church. And we came, we found our way here after two years of not being connected very well. We, we found our way here. Um, and when I got here, I laughed because it's a miracle that I'm standing here today. I will say that. 
when I got here, I was, because of the hurt that I'd received, um, I was cold. I was cynical. <laughs> um, things with church, I was just done. Um, I remember thinking, like, you know, could I ever, you know, share the gospel again? And I'm like, I love the Lord. That never, ever, ever changed. But I would just curl up in a ball. I'm like, no, I just can't. I was so burnt out, if that makes sense. Um, and around the time, and I, I'm sharing this um, very specifically because um, I, I know there's someone here that can connect with this. Um, and when, when I first came here, it was around that time that I began to feel the Holy Spirit calling me to meet with him personally at night. And so what I would do is I would go to bed and I couldn't sleep. And around 11 o'clock, I'm like, well, I can't sleep. And I would just feel the Holy Spirit wooing me out to the living room. So I would go out to the living room. I remember sitting there. One of the first nights I was sitting there, uh, I was just listening to a playlist coming up on YouTube. And the song Miracles came on. Uh, it was by Chris Kilala from um, Jesus Culture. If you're not familiar with the song, it's a fantastic song. But I'm listening to it. And my cynical heart, I told the Lord, I said, it would be a miracle for me to ever care <laughs> again about doing, you know, I love you, but doing anything for your kingdom. And I, I, it was almost like the Lord was like, challenge accepted, you know, like, because <laughs> that's how the Lord is. And, um, and for me to be standing here today, it's an absolute miracle. And um, I just wanted to share, for those who are in that place, God is so good, he is so good. He was sharing with me from Isaiah 43. I don't have a scripture up there for that. But he was sharing with me. It says, but now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And for those who you've gone through hurt or di disappointment or whatever it is, I, I just hear the Holy Spirit saying, you are mine. And even when you were in that situation, you are mine. And it took six years since I've been coming here and night, a meeting with the Lord. The first year that I, I came to this church, I was in this river um, almost every Sunday. And I cry. I literally, I'm not, this is not an exaggeration. I literally cried every single Sunday for a year solid uh, because the Lord was breaking things and healing things. And I'm telling you, he is so good. There is nothing, there's nothing in your life that the goodness of God can't bring a solution to. The goodness of the Lord. And it's the only reason I'm standing here today. It's an, like I'm saying, it's an absolute miracle. So if you're looking for that miracle right now, um, just even where you are, just, you can put your hands out. You don't have to like wave them in the air or anything. But I just release over you just that miracle power of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord to cover you. Because I am a testimony, and that testimony invites the Lord to do it again. So, Lord, we just say, do it again. God, I thank you for restoring hope. I thank you, God, for restoring joy. I thank you, Lord, for restoring peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, but <laughs> so all of that to say, so I, I've been coming here now for six years, and the first year I cried in the river, okay? <laughs> That's all I did. If you didn't see me, it was because I was crying in the river. Um, and, you know, and then just through um, community, getting connected with people, 
um, and through two sozos, um, through multiple encounters with the Lord, either at the altar or at home or, or wherever, um, God began to restore my heart. He began to melt that coldness. And it's funny how things shifted. And I began, instead of just looking to myself and saying, I just need to be healed, because I did. And that was super important at the time. Something began to shift, and you've heard it here. There was one day where it came out of my mouth, and I, I, I began to pray, God, I want to see the city saved. Guys, have you heard that here? <laughs> I hope you've heard that here. One of our passions is to see the city saved. And I remember one day praying, I'm like, where did that come from? But being in this culture, it starts to resonate in you because that's part of who we are, right? And it began to resonate in me. And I, I began to think about, like, what does that actually mean to see a city saved? It's a passion of mine. Um, what, would that, what would that look like? And so I pulled up some statistics just to take a look at where our city currently is, not to be negative, but just to, you know, to kind of like open and say, like, where are we? Um, so it's, uh, according to the United States Census Bureau, um, there's estimated um, around 908,000 people in Columbus, and the Columbus metropolitan area is uh, about 2.2 million. Uh, that includes surrounding counties. Um, of the 908,000, 18.4% live in poverty. That was kind of striking to me. Uh, because it's the, the city, um, by the way, I teach high school, so if you have your cell phone out, I'll probably like, stop. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> we, we can see it. Um, but I, I, so I teach in a public school. I teach high school, um, but I don't teach in Columbus City Schools. But um, from the Ohio Department of Education, this is about Columbus City Schools specifically. Uh, that this is 2021-2022 data. They serve 45,192 students. That's a lot, 45,000, and this is K through 12, okay? Um, and they have 116 schools. Did you know that in that year, 21-22, 13.3% were proficient in algebra, 13%. 15 were pro uh, proficient in geometry. There were 630 emergency removals, 15,000 out-of-school suspensions. And I hear that, and as a teacher, I'm like, okay, 15,000, we know there's repeat offenders, so not 15,000 individuals, most likely, um, but I'll, I'll put that out there. Um, 11,800 um, in-school suspensions, 80 expulsions, and a 65% chronic absentee, uh, abs absenteeism rate. Um, what that is by chronic absenteeism means they miss 10% of the school uh, year for any reason. Could be health, which would be legit, but could also be other reasons why they're not going to school. So if there's 180 days in the school year, they missed 18 or more. It's a lot, right? Uh, and again, we're just taking a look. I just want to take a look, like, where are we? Because my passion is I want to see a city saved, you know, if that makes sense. So um, there's uh, over 107 dr um, drug overdose deaths in the USA in, in 2022. And in Ohio, there were 5,000 unintentional drug overdose overdose deaths, which was a 25% increase over 2019. Uh, June 20th, as of June 20th of this year, there have been 77 homicides and more than 600 felonious assaults in Columbus. According to Ohio Attorney, Attorney General, as of June 2022, Ohio ranks fifth in the nation for human trafficking. To make matters worse, Columbus is ranked ninth 
as one of the worst cities in the United States for human trafficking. And so, again, I'm not trying to bring, like, bring us like, whoa. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that, but to look and say, where are we? To take an inventory for, for that. Because I begin to ask questions. Because the questions I begin to ask is like, this doesn't line up with what I know I, the, the Bible talks about, right? And so I begin to ask questions like this. My first question I ask, I'm like, God, what is your solution? The one um, declaration, I don't think it's on this current one that I used to like grab hold of, put it back maybe, uh, but I used, to, um, I used to grab hold of was um, throne room answers to city problems. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Throne room answers to city problems. That's a big one because I'm, I'm going to the Lord. I'm like, God, you have a solution for this problem. I see 18.4% poverty. You know, again, that's just the, the city of Columbus. But throne room answers to city problems. Like, no, you know, that shouldn't be. Um, so number one, God, what is your solution? And number two, you know, what's my role? I have to turn it then and look at myself and I have to say, you know, God, what is my role? And it, it can't be like, why doesn't somebody, you know, take care of this? Or someone should do this. Or someone should do this. But what, as a church, what we need to do is we need to say, not on my watch. Like, that's, that's the cry of my heart. Like, not on my watch. So, God, what should I do? What is my role in this? Because we can't do, we, I personally can't do everything. The body of Christ with all of its parts, however, what kind of effect can we have? Something to kind of think about. Anyway. And so <laughs> when I look at the statistics, I notice that something is off. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, something is definitely off. Uh, my family, we just came back from vacation recently, and we stayed at this... Um, one of those rental companies, I don't know, Airbnb, Verbo, I don't know, stayed at this condo. First of all, it was the filthiest condo we have ever stayed in. We got in there, we're like, oh, the, the rails are greasy. Like, that's weird. You know, so all kinds of stuff. And Brian goes, did you see the curtain rod? And I went into the dining room area, and there's a curtain rod, literally, like, like that. I'm thinking, like, you didn't think to fix that? Like, that's not even like, like my, my curtain rods might be off by a couple millimeters or something like that. But like literally, you know, like this. So what, what I'm saying is like when you look at this, sometimes you see like this is off. The Bible calls Ezekiel in chapter 3 a watchman. You know, like, and I, I look here and, and some of us are called to be watchmen. Isaiah 28, 17. This is a great scripture. I love this. He says, I will make justice the measuring line um, I will make justice the level some script some um, some versions use level um, and I don't have a fancy like laser level or anything like that but you know how you take the level and you put it on something a little bubble it tells you when something's level I wish those people in that condo had literally put that level up there fix that um, but um, the, it says and I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb or the plummet, but the plumb line is used in some versions as well. And a plumb line is used when you hang the plumb line on a, on a string; it hangs straight down towards the center of the earth. When it hangs straight down towards the center of the earth with that plumb line, you can tell if something is slightly off because that plumb line doesn't lie, right? The plumb line is straight down towards the center of the earth, and it doesn't lie. And so if something's over here, it's not the plumb line that's off; it's the thing that's over here that's off because the plumb line doesn't lie. 
And Scripture says this is our truth right here. This is our truth. This is what I want to see. And again, I don't, like, what does a city saved look like? I honestly don't know exactly what it would look like. I have some ideas, but I know that what I'm seeing in those statistics, and there's a lot of good things going on in our city. I do want to acknowledge that with the Normandy Project, with the Burgess House of Hope. You know, we really have, and hundreds more, I'm sure, that I don't know about, where Christ for Kids and stuff like that. So I know there's a lot going on, but we are still seeing that I, I'm seeing a plumb line here of the truth, and I'm seeing things over here, and I'm saying, this isn't right, if that makes sense. Truth is not based on current culture, <laughs> and its definition doesn't change based off of current culture. Our friend Troy is here today. We were at Tori and Wes's wedding back in November. Troy knows exactly probably what I'm going to say. He's sitting there, and he goes, these mashed potatoes are fire. I looked at, you know, and I did not think that Troy thought the mashed potatoes were fire. But these mashed potatoes are fire. Like, they were, I mean, everyone's like, they were, everyone's like, they were fire. They, they, they were. Nor did I think the mashed potatoes were on fire. It was, it's a current way we say mashed potatoes are super good, apparently. Um, but the point is, the Bible, it doesn't do that. It's not left up to our current culture to make it fit. And we have to realize, again, as a body, and this is my encouragement, I'm talking, this is things God's been dealing with me. I guess maybe I should look in the mirror, right? Um, that this is the plumb line, and we can't budge from that. And when I see things in the city that aren't right, I have to say, you know what? God, what is your plan, and what is my role in it? What is your plan? What is my role in it? So, since coming to Zion, part of um, my six-year journey of coming to this place um, is just lots of truth. Um, I love this place because of the teaching and the truth. Um, I've had, I call, I, I call Pastor Jim the wrecking ball of truth, um, where he's sitting there and, and he says something and, you know, and it's truth from the Bible and it hits you and you're like, oh, like, wow. <laughs> I always say it hurts so good, right? And, and so since coming here, and one of the things since coming here that I have, have learned is just the whole idea how the enemy has power, but we have what? The authority. You know, Jesus, he, he died and he rose from the grave. He took the keys of death in the grave and he handed them where? Back to us. And this is one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to looking at the power that, or the authority, I guess I should say, that Jesus carries. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. I'm just going to read 9 and 10. <laughs> uh, this is, I mean, like, write this somewhere where you can see it when you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't have a solution for this. This is what it says in Colossians chapter 2. It says, for in him all... The fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And who's him? Well, him is Jesus. So in Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells. And that blows my mind. Stop for a second and think. The fullness of deity. The God who at a word created the universe. The God who understands 
you know, things that we're trying to figure out, like, you know, how to travel to Mars and make it there in a reasonable amount of time, how to, how to get a reasonable amount of mass off the planet. You know, we need enough en more energy for that. Um, there's scientists studying, like, the Higgs boson and these different things. And the fullness of deity dwelled in Jesus. And then it says, and in him, you have been made what? Complete. And he is the head over what? Every ruler and authority. And so what that brings us down to is like, Jesus, the fullness of the deity is in him. And in him, we are made what? Complete. So we have full access to the fullness of the deity. My favorite types of movies are the ones, everyone's like, what is your favorite movie? It's easy. They're the ones where someone doesn't know like who they are or they're, how powerful they are and it's a journey and they discover themselves. Like every movie, I'm like, oh yeah, like what? I don't know if I recommend them anymore, but Lord of the Rings, you have the King Aragorn. I'm like, he's discovering who he is. I get criticism for this one, Aquaman. <laughs> I actually really like Aquaman, and I might be, like, the only person I know who really likes Aquaman. But he literally is, like, through the movie, he's discovering who he is as a king, right? Wonder Woman. Love it. That's another one. I know. Like, there you go. The Matrix, right? So those are some of my, some of my favorites. Um, because as I, I think what it is is I have a passion to see the body of Christ go through that same process. And it's almost like I watch those movies, and I'm like, but if we would just do that with Jesus and see who we were as kings and rulers, I guess so then I just sit and watch those movies and <laughs> love them anyway. Um, this is, uh, so we have been given authority over this planet. It was first given to us in the commission God gave to mankind in Genesis, Genesis 1, 28 and 29. It was then restored to us by Jesus after his resurrection, Matthew 28, 18. But kingdom authority is different than is typically understood by many believers. It is the authority to set people free from torment and disease, destroying the works of darkness. It is the authority to move the resources of heaven through creative expression to meet human need. It is the authority to bring heaven to earth. It is the authority to serve. That was a quote from Bill Johnson. And so we've been um, enjoying a will of God series recently, right? So I feel like this kind of goes along with that will of God series. It's the three-part, four-part series, something like that, right? Um, that Pastor Jim's been teaching. has been really, really good about the spiritual eyes and the spiritual ears that we have. You have a green light, right, until there's a red light, the different teachings that he's had. If you haven't listened to those, fantastic. Okay, fantastic. I've talked to so many people who've said that just hearing the truth about the will of the Lord, that's not some mysterious thing, has brought so much freedom. So I suggest listening to those if you have it. But what I heard in worship this morning is that God is giving the church the courage to dream again. The courage to dream again. And I know, like Sean was talking about the fear of man. I think that goes right along with that. That God is giving us the courage to dream again. And I want to look at, um, just really quickly, it's uh, in the Passion Translation, John chapter 5. He says, I am the sprouting vine, and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness 
will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if, I love if-then statements, right? They're so cool. (laughs) I learned this week, if you leave a bag of potatoes in your dining room for six months, then you will have an infestation of fruit flies. Free free advice. But here's an if-then statement from Jesus, the one in whom the fullness of the deity dwells. He says, if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, here's the then. Then you will ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. The courage to dream. the The king of the universe, Jesus, in whom the fullness of the deity dwells, he's like, ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. Now, my daughter said, make sure you mention that it's not about asking for a Lamborghini. I'm like, <laughs> fair. <laughs> Maybe that's part of your, your, your life goal. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully with you, ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. I'm going to skip down to verse 15. The same Jesus, in whom the fullness of the deity dwells, said, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate and cherished friends. For I reveal to you everything. The spiritual eyes, right? The spiritual ears. I reveal to you everything that I have heard from my father. You didn't choose me, but I have chosen and commissioned you to go, go where? Into the world to bear fruit. <laughs> Bill Johnson says this, any gospel that doesn't work in the marketplace doesn't work. And this is an encouragement, and this is, this is the prophetic declaration. This is the call that he's calling you a friend. He's telling you anything you ask, if then statement, if, you know, if this, Anything you ask, it's going to be done. I revealed everything to you. Go into the world and bear fruit. And he says it again. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my father, I will give it to you. And he ends with love one another deeply. He's asking us to ask. He's like, come on, ask. So we go back to the God, what is your solution? We just need to what? Ask. God, what is your solution and what is my role in it? When you look at um, servants and friends, when Jesus talked about the servants and friends, servants are task-oriented. Servants listen unquestioningly for commands and focus on performance. A good servant is one who completes every task successfully. A servant, however, is not usually accepted as part of the family and does not have a voice into the affair of a household. Servant is about obligation and regulation. Servant is about being on the outside. It is a do life. 
And Jesus is saying, I don't call you that. That's a religion, right? And so in any of this today, you hear me that it should be done through my ability or it should be done in my, you know, because, of, you know, and I'm trying to show Jesus what I can do. He's like, no. Come at it as a friend. Friends are relationship motivated. Friends get, um, get to partner in the process to work with rather than for. And I like that one. As a friend, you work with rather than for. It's a partnering with what God is saying. Like I get to partner with him and work with him. Good friends value relationship over activity and intimacy over performance. And he's saying, I have called you as friends, so ask. Let's partner together. And when we partner together, we're going to see these things change. I believe it. We'll see these things change. We'll be, again, say, this is the plumb line. God, what is your answer? And I partner with him, and I ask. He says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Does it seem impossible? I just hear the Lord saying, I will give it to you because you're my friend. Ephesians 1.17, Paul just wrote, and this is just real quick little in, insight there. He said that the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He prays for their eyes to open to see what is unseen, the asking. And the insight to know what to do once they see it, the wisdom. Wisdom, he, like, he's praying like, I pray that they would have wisdom and revelation. What can't I see? What's the answer? And then what do I do? So God, what is your solution and what is my role in it? So as a body, I believe we've been called as pioneers. We've been called to pioneer things in this city, and some things are already moving, like we know, like with Normandy Project and things like that. Again, I'm acknowledging there are things, but I believe there's a deeper call for more pioneers to step forth. Pioneer is someone, it says, it, I looked this up online, it says it's a person or group that originates or helps open up a new line of thought or activity or a new method or techn technical development. A pioneer is someone who sees potential. They're an innovator who is willing to try new things. A pioneer pushes boundaries to advance a cause or, or idea or break a record. These men and women have experienced success in their field, sometimes by overcoming great challenges. When I was a, a kid, I grew up in the countryside, not in the city. <laughs> and our house was um, on about seven acres of woods. So it's literally just woods all around us. <laughs> and uh, in the summertime, there's not a whole lot to do uh, when you, you know, again, this is in the 80s. So this is when, you know, like we had three channels on TV. And I know my one daughter is going to find this super blasphemous, but you can only watch the prices right so many times. <laughs> She's looking at me funny. Um, and so one day my, my cousin and I were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get the lawnmower and we're going to blaze trails through the woods. What else are you going to do, I guess, uh, to give us somewhere we can ride our bikes? So my mom's fine with that. It's funny, in the 80s, parents are like, yeah, go mow the, go mow the woods. That sounds smart. <laughs> um, so we get the lawnmower, and we're just blazing trails through the woods. And, we, you know, you come to a log, and you got to go around, you know, around the log and, and all this stuff. And I'll never forget, my, my cousin was pushing the lawnmower at that moment. He's going through, 
And all of a sudden, he stops, and he screams, and he takes off for the house. And I'm like, I'm literally standing there. I walk up to where he was, and I'm looking. I'm like, is there a skunk? Like, what are we looking for here? I don't see anything. So I start walking to the house, and my mom's like waving me in like this. Um, he mowed over a yellow jacket nest. He had 20 to 30 stings, I think. I had 8 to 10. I didn't feel them, which I think is really strange. Um, I, I, got in, I got in, and I was like, what is going on? I didn't feel them, but I had been stung like 8 to 10 times, and I didn't even know it, which is, I don't know if that's just angels or what. <laughs> but uh, I get there, and um, side note, um, my girls, if they get a sting, like, oh, only one. <laughs> like, not 8 to 10, not 20. Um, mow, mow, the, mow the woods, you might get more. Um, but the next day, do you know what we did? We got the lawnmower out, and we went again. Because why? When we, we, we ran into something, we're like, you know what? We're not going to go that way. We're going to go around that. No matter what got in our way, we we're going to blaze these trails that weren't there before so we would have the ability to ride our bikes where we had never been before. A pioneer is someone who sees potential. <laughs> Lots of bee stings, too, apparently. Here's a, a story. Um, recently, um, Bethel had a um, Dream Life conference, and Richard Gordon gave this testimony, so I'm taking this from him. So he went to sleep, and in a dream, uh, the hand, hand of the angel of the Lord came down, and it was holding a scroll. And as the angel opened it up, it read A-O-D-V, and God said, this is a telecommunications algorithm for your master's thesis. He woke up in a cold sweat, and he went to research it out, and it ended up being this, like, breaking edge information about an, al about an algorithm. I can't even explain it. It's not my space. And it became the cornerstone of his dissertation, and he wrote a book about it. It got published in six countries, and he had to fly around the world speaking at academic conferences and military conventions on the tech that God gave him through a dream. When, if it's not done, when he would stop and mathematically model the solution through simulations, whenever he would get stuck, he would fall asleep, and an angel of the Lord would come to him and hand him a scroll. This time he would eat it in his dream, wake up, and he would have the solution for the problem. <laughs> it's insane. And he says, and it happened multiple times. This is his words. And he says, when you start to play in a realm that is beyond your skill and ability, you begin to see results that are beyond your skill and ability. This, put him, this has put him in front of dignitaries and in academic spaces on boards of universities that he could never access on his own. He became a, became a pioneer because he was trying to push into an area that he didn't understand, and, but he kept pushing. He ran into, you know, the the yellow jacket's nest. And the Lord gave him a dream. He gave him the solution for the problem that he was looking for. We are called to be pioneers, but of course it has to be done through a heart of love. I'm going to close up here pretty soon. Um, Bill Johnson says it this way. He says, before God, I am intimate. But before people, I am a servant. All of this has to be done with a heart of a servant. I'll say it again, before God, I am intimate, before people, I am a servant. Before the powers of hell, I am a ruler with no tolerance for their influence. I like that last part. 
For God, I am intimate before people. I am a servant. Before the powers of hell, I'm a ruler with no tolerance for their influence. So I think, like, this whole journey for me has started in the last six months. And it was about December, and I was, I was praying over our city. And I was asking the Lord about something specific. I don't remember what. And I was, I like, I'm like, God, what do you say? Like, what's going on here? And I heard the Lord. It's like he turned on me. He said, no, what do you say? I really chewed on that. I'm like, what do I? Because of the friend. He's like, because you're my friend. It's like Moses when he partnered with the Lord, right? And he interceded for the Israelites. He was like, what do you say? What declarations do you want to make about your city, right? What, what do you say about your neighborhood? What do you say about your family? What do you say? And it was just this moment in my mind that, that it just flipped. And it's like, what do I say about this city? What am I going to do about the city? God, what is your solution and what is my role in it? Because this is, a, it is, it's, it's a call to action. If you've been feeling transition, change, I've heard people talk about that. I believe you're right on. This is a time, it's a call to, to change, it's a call to transition, um, it's a call to continue pressing forward, even if you've had disappointments in the past. Allow the Lord to heal you like I've had, I had to go through that journey. Allow the Lord to heal you, you know, wherever you are, but it is a call to action. We are not called to compromise stagnancy or complacency. So we watch this nature documentary. My girls joke that my husband likes to watch documentaries. I think <laughs> he's like, it's so true. We were watching this nature documentary, and it was one about one of the parts of the documentary was about the albatross. I never knew anything about albatross, but apparently I'm going to learn today. And um, the eggs are laid on an island that is northwest of the Hawaiian Islands. And there's literally, like, nothing there but, like, sand. Um, there's not much. And one of the, when the eggs hatch, one of the parents will stay with these, they, they a single egg. One of the parents will stay with that single egg for about 12 to 24 days. Um, while the other parent goes out and gets fish and things like that. And they feed through regurgitation. Um, the period from hatching to departure is 165 days. If there's about a 130-day window. The first, again, about 24 days, one of the parents stays. But after that, they both leave. And there's about 130 days where that little baby albatross is just standing there. Like, literally, they show them just standing there on the island. And they're waiting for their parents to come back and feed them again. And their parents leave, and they could be gone for a week, two weeks, three weeks. They'll come back, and they'll feed them. And that happens. They come back, and they feed them for 164 days, 165. Side note, we learned. Albatrosses are capable of flying 10,000 miles in a single journey. Uh, they can circumnavigate the earth in 46 days. They can fly up to 49,700 miles without touching land. But that little baby albatross, eventually mom and dad stop coming back. And he's standing there on an island that doesn't have food. And he has one option. What's that one option? I have to fly. And it's interesting because it's so cool how God designed all these things. I'm like, what? Um, it's so cool because right at that time, the seasons have changed. It's summer. And because it's summer, the, the water's heating up and the winds pick up. And so when the winds pick up, albatross are big birds. They can't just, like, fly like you see a robin sitting in your yard. It just flies away. They need wind. They have to have a running start. There's all these things that are, an albatross needs. And the winds shift. And when the winds shift, those little baby albatrosses begin to open up their wings. 
Side note, we learned in the documentary, at the same time that the winds shift, because of the warmer waters, it draws in tiger sharks. And the tiger sharks know this island because it's a feeding ground for them for hundreds of years. Why? Because the baby albatrosses try to fly, and if they don't make it, they land in the water, and the tiger sharks. And so here's the baby albatross. If I fly, I might get eaten by an albatross. If I stay, I'm going to starve. And, of course, the one we watched. (laughs) And so the winds pick up, and they take off, and they fly. Transition and change, you know what? It can be hard. It takes risk. It might feel difficult. Some people are like, the grace of God's on me, it's so easy. No, like I did something recently, and it was like rolling a rock uphill every single day of my life. I'm like, this is not easy, but I had the grace to do it. God will give you the grace to do what he's called you to do. It's not about comfort. In any given, here's a couple quotes, and then I'm going to wrap up. In any given moment, we have two options, to step forward into growth or back into safety. Growth means change, and change involves risk. Growth is painful. Change is painful, but nothing is as painful as staying stuck where you don't belong. Winston Churchill said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. An author named Sam Ewing said, hard work spotlights the character of people. Some turn up their sleeves, Some turn up their noses, and some don't turn up at all. So back to the questions, God, what is your solution? I believe God is releasing (laughs) over this house. I believe he's releasing that pioneering spirit, um, a courageous spirit that won't give up. Um, a courageous spirit that when it sees things in the city says, God, what's my, what's my role? What's your solution? I heard um, a couple months ago or maybe a month ago as I was praying, God is releasing the spirit of Jonathan. Where Jonathan looks at his armor bearer, there's an army. <laughs> he looks at, he's like, yeah, we can, you and me and God, we can take them. And they go. They didn't have a prophetic word. <laughs> they just knew the heart of the Father. They were friends, and the armor bearer's like, yeah, why not? And they go. They ask one question on the way. And once they got there and began to defeat the army, the rest of Israel ran behind them. Super cool. So I believe God is releasing the spirit of Jonathan. So when you ask God, what is your solution, make sure, again, inquire of the Lord. It might require some research. I'm not saying it's not going to require research. We have to look into business plans or you have to look, you know, things like that. So, you know, the wisdom, right? There's that revelation and that wisdom. What is my role in it? I'd be remiss if I didn't say counsel is super important um, in what's my role in this. Proverbs, I didn't even try hard. I found six verses about the benefits of, of counsel, in your life. So when you're hearing God saying something, being in relationship where someone knows you and you know them, whether it's someone in this house, you're saying, this is what I'm sensing God telling me to do and letting them pray on it with you. But then action. If you go back to Isaiah 61, where I read at the beginning, I'm just going to read it one more time. When we read verses one through four, It says, the spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. That was me six years ago. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And they, those who have come through the fire, (laughs) they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, desolations of many generations." That's a prophetic word over from Isaiah. Like, this is who we are. We will rebuild the old ruins. We will raise up former desolations. We will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Get that in your spirit. (laughs) That Jesus, the one in whom the fullness of deity dwells, he calls you a friend. And he's calling you to raise up the old ruins. So today, I just what I want to I just want to end with this. If you um, if any of this is resonating in your heart, you're like I've been going through transition. This makes lots of sense, or I'm sensing change, or I've been afraid to take that step. All of those different things. I just hear the Lord again saying that 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 courage to dream again, dream with the Lord. He wants to partner with you, that He's going to release that, but also that courage uh, to take on things that look absolutely impossible like Jonathan did. So I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. So go ahead and stand up if you can. I'm just going to declare over you first. Um, And if, if this resonated with you, just receive it. So I just declare the courage to dream. God, I release throne room answers to city problems. God, dreams in the night, visions during the day. Godly revelation, insight. Solutions to problems that man has been working on for for generations. God, I thank you that you're releasing it to the body of Christ. God, I release that spirit of Jonathan that when it gets the idea, when it hears with those spiritual ears and it, and it sees with those spiritual eyes, God, I thank you for that spirit that says, let's go. That says, let's do this. That, that, God, I thank you for wise counsel. I thank you for spirit of wisdom and revelation. But God, I, I release that spirit of Jonathan that says, let's go. So right where you are right now, I just want you to, if you want to open your hands up, and just ask the Lord those questions. Because as, as I've been talking, there's probably something that's been like burning or resonating in your heart. Whatever area your sphere of influence is, whether it's medical, maybe your sphere of influence is education. Maybe your sphere of influence is, is uh, family. Maybe it's entertainment, whatever. Maybe it's business. Something's been burning in your heart. Just ask the Lord that question. What is your solution? And what is my role in it?
So right now, just spend some time speaking to him about that. Some of you might have to write down some things, and it's not just today. Continue asking this question. Continue. Pursue it. Pray for it. Because Paul told the, um, told the Ephesians, he's like, I pray for you to have that spirit of wisdom and revelation. Seek it. If you can put your hand on maybe somebody next to you and just begin to pray over them and just release over them that courage to pursue what God is putting in their heart even now. I see revelations coming this week, this month. So I just release that now in Jesus' name. So just begin to pray over those who are around you.